This is Jim English. Welcome to my podcast. It's called The Who Gives a Shit Files. And I really appreciate you listening. And this is going to be about the NBA. And you know I love the NBA. This time of year, it is so exciting, even though the matchup is not what the marketing people would like, or the NBA, or the networks. I think it's a great matchup. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But first, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. And what I've noticed in this playoffs, and also some NBA players are quitting. They're quitting. Now, I played pickup basketball for a long time with a lot of people. And I also played city leagues for a long time with a lot of people. And I have to tell you that we never quit. Did we get our ass kicked? You bet. You bet we did. Did we have problems with the team? Were they better than us? You bet. And we never quit, though. We never quit. I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Tom Lee. And Tom Lee is six foot tall, 170 pounds, dripping wet. He's a good shooter. He plays tough defense. And I've been on several teams with him where we've absolutely getting our butts kicked. But Tom never gave up. He kept shooting. He kept playing defense. He tried. He'd go on the floor. I have lots of friends like that. People, Tom had, I believe he had either two hip replacements or he had a hip replacement and had to have it redone because of some issues regarding the metal in his hip. But the man never quit. He was never a quitter. He never quit in anything he has ever done. And I admire him for that. And this podcast is get dedicated to my good friend in Richmond, Virginia, Tom Lee. Now let's compare him. And by the way, I've got tons of friends who played for the joy of the game. And they played tough. And they played hard. Got people with knee replacements, hip replacements. And, you know, when you play basketball into your well into your 40s, almost to the 50s, you're going to have some issues. Super Day, 32 operations, or maybe it's 37, I forget. But he's the guy who does the, normally does the podcast with me on the NBA, and we just couldn't work out the proper timing. He's a busy guy, which I'm happy to say is great for him. So there are lots of my friends, once again, that played for the love game, that have physical um, ailments, maladies, because of their dedication to basketball. And it just galls me. It, I just can't tell you how it makes me puke. I got bile in my throat just talking about it. And there are so many NBA players who get paid exorbitant sums of money. And they quit. They quit. They quit. And, you know, the guy who comes to mind is Ben Simmons. And I'm going to talk about him for a while because I think I I think he is the most putrid, reprehensible sports figure in my lifetime. And I've been following professional sports since I was seven or eight, which is well 
into 60 years. And this guy is the worst. Let me tell you what happened. Okay, Ben Simmons. In the 2021 playoff series, when his team was in the regional finals, uh, the Eastern Regional Finals, they had a good team. I mean, they had Embiid, you know, they had, you know, Simmons, they had Seth Curry. They had a lot of really good players. And this guy, and I'm going to go, I'm going to break down the money he makes, but this guy did not take a shot in the fourth quarter. The team they were playing would run and hide when he got the ball. He was afraid to go to the hoop because he was afraid to take a free throw. He never took a three-point shot. They left him wide open, and they got eliminated in the Eastern Finals. And, you know, so Doc Rivers, the coach, criticized him for this, and I don't blame him. You know, it's ridiculous how much this guy makes and how little he plays. So two years ago in the playoffs, once again, he didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter, and Doc Rivers and his teammates, they blasted him. And because he got his feelings hurt, poor boy, he didn't play all of last season. So that would be 2021, 2022. He didn't play one freaking game because somebody hurt his feelings. What a baby. What a child. I mean, I just can't stand this guy. He's reviled. In, in, once again, in my opinion, he is the worst demonstration of a basketball player. It is what the sports is, the, the, neg- the most negative aspect of sports is embodied in Ben Simmons. Now, this year, they traded him to the Nets, and he averaged a whopping 6.9 points per game. 6.3 rebounds and 6.1 assists. The guy's 26 years old. Okay, he's always hurt. You know, it just, once again, you know, I'm having a hard time dealing with this only because I watched my friends and I play basketball until we were well into our 40s. I believe I quit at age 48. And I'm all busted up because of because I love the game. I love being with my friends. I love, you know, the, the competition. I love the sweat. I love making a three-point shot. I love passing the ball for an assist. I mean, the sport is just wonderful. And how come this 6'10 guy who is dripping with talent? I mean, this guy is so talented. He can handle the ball. He can guard any position. I mean, he is 6'10", and point guards do not blow by him, and centers don't dunk over him, and wings don't shoot over him either. So he is a very versatile defensive player, but he never learned to shoot. He refuses to learn to shoot a basketball. What a freaking moron. How can he do that to the game? that is paying him so much money. Okay, let's get to the payment. So this year, last year, he made approximately $70 million in two years. $70 million for playing a sport 
that so many of us love, 70 million bucks. Now, what I did is I did the math, and he played zero games last year, zero games, because somebody hurt his poor little feelings. What a jerk. And then this year, he played in 42 games. Once again, I'm hurt. My back hurts. I mean, maybe it does, but I don't care. I really don't care because the guy's got no credibility in, in, you know, what he did. So I broke this down. So he gets paid the last two years, okay, $225,000 a point. $225,000 a point. It's actually I rounded down to two twenty-five. Can you believe that? I mean, how? I mean, okay, I'm done talking about Ben Simmons. You know, the guy's a jerk. He's way overpaid. He should give that money to charity. And by the way, he started a charity. And what they did, I looked this up today, and this is kind of humorous, serves the bastard, right? So he started a charity called Rise. And what he did, it's noble cause, he was giving jackets to people in Brooklyn, underprivileged kids, which was a nice thing to do. But you know what? Because he was such a jerk and such a candy ass that these poor kids refused to wear his jacket because he didn't play last year and he's only playing sporadically this year. I mean, what? how about that for an insult? Uh, poor kids won't wear your jackets because you're such a candy ass, such a jerk, and such a quitter. All right, I'm off. No more. Sorry, I get kind of wound up about this. But there are other quitting, there are other incidents of quitting I want to talk about too that are, I think, just as reprehensible. Well, no, nothing's as reprehensible as Ben Simmons getting $225,000 a point. A point. So, to do is <clears throat> I want to talk about some teams that quit. Game six, Los Angeles, an elimination game. So LA is playing Memphis and Memphis Grizzlies lost in LA 125 to 85. They lost by 40 points, 40 points. They quit. They stopped playing defense. That was the highest amount of points the Lakers have scored this year in a playoff game. You know, it's just, you know, the the Lakers averaged 111 points in playoff games and against a younger, quicker, stronger team, you know, more explosive. They put up 125 on them and Memphis only scored 85. Memphis scored... 30% of its field goals, only hit 30% of his field goals. The Lakers hit over 50. They quit on defense. They just freaking quit. How can you do that? Uh, Dylan Brooks, John Moran, Desmond Bain, they're three studs. They're three really, really good players. Had 35 points between them in a closeout game on the road. I mean, they quit. They gave up. You know, we're not going to play defense. You know, we just want to get out of here. 
they were okay as a trio you know the plus minus so how many when you're on the court you know how did your team do did they score more points or did they lose more points and if so how many did they score more than the other team or lose so this these three these two of them were all-stars one is a marginal all-star their best players they had a minus 73% differential in one game. The three stars, they quit. They gave up. How, you know, I, I just don't understand that. Being a lover of basketball, a lover of playing, playing so long, even in hopeless situations where you can't do a thing, you know, there's no way you're going to win. You still go out there and try. You don't quit you don't quit. So, you know, and, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to also talk about the Boston Celtics because, you know, they quit in a couple of games. I mean, we're talking Red Arbach. We are talking Bill Russell. We are talking Larry Bird. We are talking 17 championships. They and the Lakers are tied for the most championships in NBA history. We are talking a plethora of Hall of Fame players, Havlicek's, the Jones brothers, you know, Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, you know, Bird, McHale, Parrish. I mean, these were proud teams. These were tough teams. They were smart and they were tough. They would never quit. So Boston, in game three, they lose 128 to 102. 128 to 102. Can you believe that? And by the way, Boston is a second seed. They lose to Miami, which is an eight seed. And since no, even though this technically wasn't a closeout game, no team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in the history of the NBA playoff. So historically speaking, this was an elimination game. I mean, Tatum, minus 23. You know, he was fourth in all-star voting. He is was all NBA first team. He scored more aggregate points than any other player in the NBA this year. Brown, Jalen Brown, another minus 23. I mean, between them, they're two stars in essentially a, a elimination game were minus 46, and you throw in Horford, they were, they were uh, he was minus 21. So you're talking minus 64 from, you know, three of your four best players. I mean... It was terrible. And it was not only that they shot poorly, they played no defense at all. I mean, where's your pride for Christ's sake? You represent the vaunted, the mighty, the traditional, the historical Boston Celtics, and you quit? And you quit to give the other team a 3-0 lead? And, you know, how do I know they quit? Boston or Miami shot. 54.3% from three-point land. Almost, you know, they hit well over half their shots from three-point land, 
and they were a 35% free throw shoot, I'm sorry, three-point shooting team in the regular season. They also shot 57% basically from the field. I mean, they quit. They quit. How can you, these players, I just don't understand it. You know, maybe I'm a dumbass. Maybe I just don't get the psychology of it. But, you know, once again, Boston is the probably the, pri- the proudest franchise in NBA history, them and the Lakers. I mean, you know, it's just the two of them. Nobody else is even close. And how could you represent, you know, the tough city of Boston who loves their sports team? I mean, Boston is a tough town. How can you represent a team like that and quit? I, I, I just do not understand it whatsoever. And then you got a situation, too, in Game 7, okay, where they had a chance. And by the way, Boston fought back admirably. So, yeah, they quit in that game in Game 3, but Game 4 and 5, they were tough. They battled hard. They showed some Celtic pride. But then in Game 7, where Miami won it just the other day, you know, they lost by 19 points. 19 points. Now, Tatum did hurt himself, and his ankle was bad. Now, he tried to gut it out, so he didn't quit. But, you know, they still lost by 19 points. And plus the fact they were dumb. They were dumb. I mean, they shot 9 for 42 from the three-point land. I mean, that's terrible. Now, now, um, Miami shot 50%, 14 for 28. But if you're 9 for 42, why don't you pound it down low? You've got a height advantage. You've got a strength advantage. Boston is a much bigger and badder team, more physical than Miami. And yet they didn't pound it down low. I mean, Seriously, why? Why this was this was an insight by Mr. Thomas Carter Lee. Once again, who this podcast is dedicated to, he pointed this out: pound the ball down low for Christ's sake. You know, if the three-point shot is not going in, uh, you know, you don't keep shooting them. I don't care what the score is. It was just it was just bad news and. You know, I just hate to see these teams quitting, you know, and I don't like the Celtics. I don't like them. You know, they ruined my childhood by beating the Lakers, what, six years in a row in the mid-60s? I mean, I, you know, I can't stand Boston. You know, they, you know, the Bird and the Bird versus Magic, I was Magic all the way. I was L.A. Lakers all the way versus the Celtics. I still think those two teams are the best in NBA history, but that's just my opinion. But nonetheless, I respected how tough they were. I respected how smart they were. And a, a Miami team, okay, the eighth seed in the playoffs beat the second seed. Okay, and two of the games, Boston quit. They quit. I, you know, once again, I'm not going to harp on this any longer than they already have, but they quit. So now I'm through with my quitting rant. 
Now it's time to get to the NBA playoffs, the final series of Denver and Miami. And this is going to be an interesting series. Now, I have to tell you that that this is not what the NBA wanted. I mean, they want marquee names. I'll guarantee you what the advertisers wanted and the NBA wanted and the networks wanted is when they saw Boston and L.A. in their respective Western and Eastern finals, that's who they wanted to play off. What a dream matchup that would have been, huh? Boston and L.A. playing it off again for the, I don't know, what, the 12th time in NBA history? Uh, But it didn't happen. You know, they were both eliminated. And Denver got here by, first of all, beating Minnesota 4-1. to They were the 15th-ranked team in the NBA. And beating Phoenix, that was the ninth-ranked team in the NBA, and the Lakers, which was the 14th-ranked team in the NBA. And they only lost three games total in those three series. I mean, they're a juggernaut. They're huge. And by the way, even though the Lakers lost 4 nothing, they didn't quit. LeBron and Reeves and, oh, by the way, I did some research on this, that Reeves makes about $1,500 a point versus this year versus versus uh, Ben Simmons, who makes $225,000 a point. Gee, who do you think's better player? Who do you think's a non-quitter? Anyways, I'll stop. So they're a juggernaut. They're huge. They're big. They're deep. You know, Joker. I mean, you know, Djokovic, uh, he is without question – the best player in the NBA. Embiid, sorry, no way you should have been MVP. You know, Giannis, no way. You know, Tatum, no way. I mean, this guy's the best. This guy is the best. He averaged 30, 14, and 11. Averaged a triple-double against the, the Lakers, who play tough defense. They do play tough defense. And he did this with, Anthony Davis guarding him. Anthony Davis is leading the playoffs in rebounds per game and in block shots per game. And, you know, they couldn't stop Joker. I mean, for his playoff series, okay, this this playoff, the series he's been in, he's averaging 30 points a game, 11.8 rebounds, and 9.8 assists. The man's a machine. He is so good and so strong that nobody can handle him. You know, it's like, you know, you watch the playoffs and you look at this guy and you think, well, Steph Curry could miss a bunch of threes. He could have a bad game. Or, you know, LeBron, he's 38. He can't do it. He's He just can't have, you know, seven great games. But there is no stopping there is no stopping the Joker. He's just that good. You know, you can't, Miami can't think that, wow, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll just do this and the Joker will have a bad game. He won't. He won't have a bad game. He won't. I mean, his, a bad game for him is 
25 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. A triple-double where he doesn't score 30 points is a bad game for him. He's unstoppable. He is unstoppable. And then you throw in Jamal Murray at 27, almost 28 points a game, five and a half rebounds, 6.2 assists, 40% from three-point land, 1.7 steals, 48% field goal percentage. I mean, the guy is a star. I mean, the Lakers were done in game two. When in the fourth quarter, they're down by two going into the fourth quarter. And momentum, Big Mo has clearly got the purple and gold Laker jersey on. And what happens is is Jamal Murray comes out and scores 12 points in the next six minutes. And not only the game was over, game two, but the series was over at that point. There was just no coming back from that. The man can get insanely hot. And and I'm happy to see it, too, because he was really blossoming in uh, two years ago when he tore his ACL. And he missed all last year, and now he's back into shape. He is a really, really good player. And not only that, but you have some very good complementary players. Michael Porter Jr., you know, he's got like six double-doubles, averaging almost 15 points a game, eight rebounds. Aaron Gordon, you know, 13 uh, points a game, 5.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists. Plus, these guys are big wings. They are big. 6'10 and 6'8. And and Aaron Gordon is just an amazing athlete. What a specimen. He has gotten screwed out of two slam dunk contests. He, I thought he won two of them, and I watched them in their entirety, and he didn't. I mean, he dunked over Taco. I can't think of the guy's name. It's a uh, Latino name. But he dunked over him. The guy's 7'4". And he jumped over him and dunked, and he didn't win the slam dunk contest. But he is a, they can cover the wing. Michael Porter, once again, 6'10". They're really good defensive players. KCP, talk about defense. You know, he hits clutch shots, averaging 11.7, gets three or four rebounds a game, gets a couple of assists you know, covers the wing. These guys are really, really good wing defenders. And Bruce Brown coming off the bench. You got to have a spark coming off the bench. And they clearly do. They clearly do. Denver has Bruce Brown, you know, 12.2, 3.9 rebounds, 2.2 assists. I mean, this is a this is a juggernaut of a team. They're big. They're smart. They have the joker. They have the best player. They have more star power. And it is interesting that both them and Miami only had one all-star. And that's the first time this has ever happened in NBA history where a a team made the finals with only one all-star. And this time, both of them made them. I mean, it's just, just amazing. So, I mean, you know, the ledger looks very tilted. You know, the scales look very tilted in 
in Denver's favor, but Miami is, I mean, you know, Miami has fooled me since the beginning. That's a problem about like doing a podcast opposed, as opposed to like being in a bar talking to people. You know, you can have a couple of beers and say, yeah, I was for Miami the entire time. I knew they were going to make the final. Well, you know, if I said that in a bar, all I got to do is go back and listen to my podcast because that is not the case. I said that they were going to have a precipitous drop in the East. I said they were going to be the team that drops the most relative to last year. They wouldn't even make the playing game. That was the genius that's doing this podcast right now. So I was wrong. I was definitely wrong. Now, they are the eighth seed. And by the way, this is the first time in the history of NBA basketball where an eighth seed has made the finals. I mean, these guys are bucking history like crazy. Now, they got here by, first of all, they won their play-in game. Secondly, they were they played Milwaukee, the number one seed, not only in the East, but they had the best record in basketball. The best record in basketball. I said, and I quote, there is no way they're getting by Milwaukee. Now, Giannis did get hurt, and he did miss a couple of games. But you still have a really good team in Milwaukee, and even a 75% effective Giannis, they should have won. They, being Milwaukee, should have won, but they lost 4-1. to one. They lost 4-1. to one. The number one seed lost to the number eight seed, 4-1. to one. And then the next, the next seed, the next team they played were the Knicks. And the Knicks are a tough physical team, grinded out basketball. They were the fifth seed. Once again, Miami was the eighth seed. And Miami beat them four to two. And in a podcast, I said that the Knicks were going to beat Miami. I also said that the, that the East was very predictable. You had three teams that were going to fight for the the, the the top spot in the playoffs, and that was Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia. You know, I thought those teams were going to, you know, they were going to battle it out to see who was going to represent the East, but it's Miami. It's a number, you know, a number uh, eight seed. So, you know, they have a situation where Jimmy Butler is just, He's stellar. I mean, 28 and a half points, seven rebounds, 5.7 assists a game, 2.1 steals. And he plays well in big games. As a matter of fact, you know, he has got, he has scored a bunch of points in this series. It's just, you know, he's, he's, he's an excellent player. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, Bam Adebayo, 16.8 points per game, 9.2, 3.8. He has got. He's a very. He's a very good center. I believe he was. Uh, I believe that he did not make the All Star team this year, but he has in the past. He should have made it. He's a really, really good player. 
And when they score 20, they win. When he scores 20, the Miami Heat win. They won it every single playoff game. So the key for them is the is getting him to 20. Now the next four scores on this team, and this tickles me to death, are non-drafted players. They're non-drafted players. 52% of the points that Miami scored during the last series, the seven-game series with Boston, 52% of the points were scored by these four players who were undrafted. Caleb Martin, 14.1, 5.7 rebounds. Gene Vincent, 13.1, four assists. Struess, 10.3 points per game, 3.5 rebounds. And Robinson, Duncan Robinson, 9.3 and 44% from the field. Now, that to me is just remarkable. 52% of the points in the Boston series were scored by people that were undrafted. And, you know, that is something that also has never happened before. And what they have here is you also have Kyle Lowry. And, you know, Kyle Lowry won a championship in Toronto. He is a tough player. And I believe that he will be the difference maker in one game. He will come off the bench in one game and start firing away, get hot, and and he is going to be the marginal difference in one of the Heat's victories. Now we get to kind of like the summary, you know, the tail of the tape. Who's got the advantage? Who's going to win? Well, the advantages are clearly with Denver. They're the prohibitive favorite. You know, the Vegas has them as as winning in six. They have, you know, first of all, their offense, they have a distinct advantage in offense. They've averaged 116 points in the playoffs where uh, where Miami's averaged 111. Denver has the stars. I mean, you know, Jokic is the best player in the league. Bam Adebayo, you know, I love the guy, but he's got no chance against he's got no chance against against the Joker. None at all. You got the mile high advantage. I mean, you know, the the Miami has just clawed their way past the number one seed in all of the NBA, not just the East. Number two seed in the NBA not just the East. Now they're going to play the third best team in the overall record who is on a roll. So all things, you know, they're, they're bigger. They being Denver, they're bigger. Their starting lineup, the people they have coming off the bench are much bigger. They're more strong. They're, you know, they've got a bet, they've got an advantage in just about every statistical category. So, you know who I'm picking? I'm picking Miami. And I'll tell you why. Is first of all, I thought they had no chance 
to make the playoff, make the play-in game, and I predicted that. I thought they had no chance of winning their play-in game. I thought they had no chance against Milwaukee or the Knicks or Boston. You know, I don't, I didn't think they had a chance at all. They have, they're an eight seed. An eight seed has never won the title. Not even close. Not even close. Everything is pointing towards, is pointing towards Denver. But I'm picking Miami. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. First of all, we have got the most underrated coach in the history of basketball. So let's let's see what his resume looks like. He's made it to six finals, okay? Steve Kerr has made it to six finals. Popovich has made it to six finals. And now Spolstra has made it to six finals. And he is making it with these teams that are not like, you know, I mean, Popovich had a dynasty with Duncan and Robinson, Elliot, Richard Jefferson. I mean, you know, Mano Ginobili, um, you, you know, uh, Tony Parker. I mean, he had a dynasty and he he gets to six finals with that dynasty. Okay. But Spolster gets there with a bunch of different players. I mean, this is the best coaching job in NBA history, you know, you have four undrafted players in your starting lineup, Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero, who are excellent players, go down. They average, that's about 35 points a game during the regular season, are all of a sudden eliminated from your lineup. And boom, he shows up, plugs these guys in, and they do really, really well. So I think that there's a decided coaching advantage with Eric Spolstra and the magic he can conjure up during a game to win it. So once again, I'm picking Miami, and one reason is because of Spolstra. Another reason is, you know, where the star power is with definitely with with Denver, but the will to win, the culture to win, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets, okay, he has got such a strong will, and it shows up in the playoffs. This year, he has got a 56, a 47, and a 42-point wins. And he scored those in in the wins. Actually, the 42-point was a loss. But these were all very close games. This isn't the type of guy that shoots, you know, that scores 56 points in a blowout game. There is no way that he does that. He wills his team to victory. I have so much respect for him. That, you know, he is at the opposite end of the spectrum from Ben Simmons. I ha- This guy has a will to win, and I think that he is going to drive them for two to victory in seven games. I think Caleb Martin 
is going to go off like he did against Boston. And he is going to be the marginal difference in the game. I already mentioned Kyle Lowry is going to be a, a marginal difference in the game. So, you know, these the difference between the playoffs and the regular season is astounding. So, so Miami goes from a, a bottom 10 three-point shooting team to the number one three-point shooting team in the playoffs. I mean, are you kidding me? How did this happen? It happened because of their will to win, of their clutch, you know, their clutch play, you know, a, a culture of accountability, of defense, of intensity. You know, I like Miami. I may be out of my mind. And I may be jinxing Miami because of the thing that's known in my family is the English jinx. So many times they say this is going to happen and the opposite happened. Uh, a, a good a good manifestation is me saying that, you know, that Miami's going to lose to Milwaukee. They're going to lose to the Knicks and they're going to lose to Boston. So uh, English jinx was there. Now, I may have jinxed them for the playoffs for the series, but with all the numbers and everything slanted towards Denver, I like their culture. I like their will to win. I like Jimmy Butler, and I love the magic man named Eric Spolstra. Thanks for listening to my podcast on the NBA Finals.